John, you're right. We're all just a little bit off. Um, we can laugh at that. Um, you can knock at that if you'd like to. Um, um, we all, at times, um, aren't exactly on point in life. Um, and sometimes even our best prepared thoughts and intentions um, don't work out the way that we hope. I'm sure that some of you at um, Thanksgiving had um, everything planned, the timing was right, um, the circumstances were exactly what you had hoped, and maybe the results didn't turn out. Maybe the, 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 the seasoning wasn't right, or maybe the, the pie was a little flat, or just whatever happens at times. Sometimes we beat ourselves over uh, up over things that we really um, really can't control, or maybe we try to control things that um, we shouldn't be. Um, at the end of the day, I think we make a pretty beautiful noise. Church, and I appreciate you for that. Um, this morning, I want to, to talk for a second about this idea of the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. It's been um, it's been a theme in a few um, lessons and a few um, um, a few different um, lessons we've been studying um, in in some of our classes and our grace marriages showed up and some of um, some of the things this last couple weeks for me and my personal study. And um, if we all know a, th- uh, a thermometer um, just takes the temperature of the climate around it, it tells you what the temperature is. But a thermostat you can adjust to control the temperature, right? And in our lives. I think oftentimes as we as our scripture reading talks about talked about those things of the flesh that we really struggle with those things um, put us in a place where we're not controlling the climate our sinful nature puts us in a place where we're just reacting to the temperature around us and those fruits of the spirit are ways in which we can control that climate see this morning um, our main point this morning is that our self-reliance will keep us from the lasting peace of God our self-reliance if as a church or as a person our attempt to be perfect, that will keep us from the perfection of God. See, the way God works is He wants to take us and our imperfections and make us more like him because that's how good he is. He doesn't need our goodness necessarily to reflect anything about him. Our goodness is an opportunity to reflect who he is and how much better he is than us, but it's only done at its best in our weakest moments. When we're really doing good and we're really on point and we really got it all together and we think we're not a little bit off, um, History will continue to repeat itself, I'm sure, and it's shown us in the past that God's people will fail. Moses, very godly man, made mistakes. David made mistakes. Peter made mistakes. Paul made mistakes. Peter said that he wouldn't make mistakes, and he made mistakes. Church will make mistakes. Israel is full of um, seasons in their story where they continue to make mistakes. And God sometimes just hung on to Israel just because he didn't want to be made a fool. God keeps his promises, and he promises that he will complete us. We have a responsibility in our life just to respond to life in a better way. Our imagery for our our series, Unfinished, is this incomplete bridge. And as we've talked about, stronger together all year long, what completes unity in the church is a lot more fruits of the Spirit and a lot less flesh. What completes unity in the church is the resting peace that God can give us, that we are not going to complete this on our own. We need the Holy Spirit and we need God's love and direction from the Word of God to put us in a place where we're ever going to connect fully. It's obvious that we need something greater than ourselves. That's why Jesus Christ was sent. If you want to find something that actually completes that gap, it's the life of Christ. It's God himself sent in the form of a man who lived and died and was, and was perfect and was resurrected and fulfilled the law and all the prophecies to show us that one end of the bridge and the other end of the bridge can't connect through something greater than ourselves because we're all a little bit off. The Proverbs in, in Proverbs 16.20 says... Um, Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Church, we need to spend more time in the word. We hear that often. I'm sure you've heard that your whole life. You've been going to church. It's something that um, you can't hear enough. We need to spend more time in the word. And the more we're in the word, 
the more we're directed and we're given opportunity in our lives to respond in better ways. When our words are what's directing our paths, we're in trouble because we're not perfect. Even when we attempt to be, even when you try to say the perfect thing. Uh, Charlie, I like your perspective on Thanksgiving because there is a lot of pressure at Christmas to give the perfect gift. But Thanksgiving is just a time to be together. It's not as much pressure. That's what church is about. That's what church fellowship is about this morning. I think we treat it like Christmas. We come, we we come, we dressed in our best, and we're trying to. Um, I'm wearing a tie this morning, so I, I look more like a preacher. I've heard that um, when I wear ties, um, and and this is like that uh, bow on the top of the gift that we're trying to show that we're we're prepared and we're ready to give our best. And there's nothing we can give in this moment that's going to be good enough except our heart. We come and we think we have to sing perfectly. We have to read perfectly. You can look at that um, small group guide and see that there are a couple of quotation marks that don't need to be there and some misspelled words, and, and, um, and occasionally there'll be a scripture that's just not on point on the, on the screen. You think, what has he been thinking about? I've been thinking about Turkey. I finished all this Wednesday, and I took a couple of days to rest. Okay, We're all human, church. But we try our best. See, this morning, I want you to understand stress comes in our lives from focusing more on the performance of others than the grace of God. There's a level of stress we place on ourselves because we're worried about how people are going to respond to us or what people are going to do um, in our week this week at work. Are our employees going to respond in the way they're supposed to? Are we going to meet our quotas? Are we going to set the, the standard that we're supposed to? And we leave God out of the equation in our lives. We come here to church and we say, I'm going to perform at the highest level possible. I'm going to practice that song so many times that there's no way I'm going to get it wrong. And guess what? We're all a little bit off, John. It's part of the deal. Part of the deal. We can stress over that, or we can rest in God's peace to know that he thinks we're beautiful. You're weak this week, and I'm sure some of you have had disasters happen in your life, and God still thinks you're beautiful. God still wants you here, and he wants you to be a part of his amazing grace, the story of his salvation. God doesn't need beautiful people to make his story any more beautiful. We have an opportunity this morning to think about removing stress from our life and having days of peace. It sounds really good. Um, if, if you're with me, who would like some days of peace this morning? Raise your hand. I'm, I'm there, right? We need it. Especially if you've just gone through the holidays. And maybe you had an ER visit during the holiday trip. Facebook, you can't hide anything, Krista. Sorry. Um, we need those days of peace. Those days are coming. If we rest in God's peace, if we rest in the understanding, the knowledge um, that, um, that He will sustain us, that He will give us what we need, then we'll stop responding to the temperature around us, and we will start setting a different climate in our world. We have, um, we have the uh, verse here in Hebrews um, that talks about um, the Sabbath rest. And the Hebrew word for Sabbath um, is to cease. It's just to stop. And in Genesis, um, the, God created the heavens and the earth, and then what did he do? He took, a, he took a day off, right? He took a Sabbath. He took a day where he ceased and he rested. God rested to see that what he had done was good. The Sabbath rest is also um, in Ezekiel 20 and verse 12. It says, I gave them a Sabbath, gave them my Sabbath as a sign between us, so they will know that I am the Lord and make them holy. Israel had struggled with with um, doing what God had asked them to do and then falling away and then bringing, bringing in false idols and following things they shouldn't have done. And God is at a point where he's so frustrated with them, it's almost like as soon as I get you out of Egypt, I've fulfilled my promise, you're on your own. 
They're wandering in the, in the desert, their wilderness, and they're given, they're given the things that they need to sustain them. And this Sabbath rest is one of those things which they're given. And those two things there, this two ways Sabbath is used, is a way for us to stop and see what good we've actually have accomplished. God gives us that example, and I appreciate that. It's also a way for us to stop and understand there's a salvation from a holy God that waits us. And that Sabbath should remind us to be holy, to be set apart, to be different than the world around us. What connects that bridge are the fruits of the Spirit because they're contrary to the works of the flesh. And in our lives, sometimes we just need to have peace in knowing that we've accomplished something good. And we could sit back and look at it. One of the things I've taught Harrison at a young age, I said, when you get done mowing the yard, what do you do? You don't clean up. You don't put the put your tools away just quite yet. You walk to the edge of the road and you take a look back at what you've accomplished. And you take a deep breath and you say, I did that today. There aren't a lot of times in life where you can accomplish something so quickly and be proud of it. Work with people, work with... Um, work in our jobs, even in our homes. It's always a pro- process. And there's always something going on. There's always something that needs to be fixed. But when you mow the grass, it's done. It's perfect for just that one moment before it grows back the next week, right? Take a second, look back at it and say, I've accomplished that today. Now, it's more than just mowing grass. We have those opportunities as a congregation in our lives with our kids, sometimes in our roles, in our jobs, to say, I've accomplished something. And it's okay to feel good about that. It's also important for us to know that those accomplishments don't define me over what God wants to do with me. It's important to reflect and to commemorate what we've completed. And it's important to remember our salvation. The first step, the first step to battle stress is to stay connected to God at all times. I'm attempting to do this in a, in a not so subtle way. We sung Be Still and Know. Um, above our bed in our house, there's a sign that says, Be still and know that I am God. Now, I probably need to put that in front of me or above me when I wake up because I don't look back at it enough, evidently, because um, I get stressed at times as soon as the day begins. Um, this morning, um, I um, I got up, set my alarm, was ready to go, feeling good about myself. Lord Best said, you realize it's 7.30, right? Not 6.30. My phone had not adjusted from Nashville time as we traveled back in, um, from Nashville yesterday, from Tennessee. And so um, I was an hour behind already, and I was like, well, here we are. But I was early here, and I got my stuff done, but, but, uh, but I could have been panicked. I could have been restless the rest of the day. And I realized that's just one moment, and there's a lot more to accomplish today than whatever, um, whatever moment that I've already um, had a misstep in or whatever problem I've already had. In Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, come to me, all you, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This isn't about making scrambled eggs. This is about an, a, a, an animal of service like an ox having a yoke put upon them to, to put them to work in the field. And this yoke, this, um, this, Guiding force in our life from God is not one that's burdensome. It's not one that weighs us down so much that it's hard to do our job. But it's actually light. It's actually kind of easy. Now, faith in a faithful life isn't always easy, right? 
Do we struggle in our faith walk sometimes? Do we make mistakes? Do we have temptations and sins that, um, that face us? Yes. The yoke is made easy because grace is sufficient. There's freedom spoken of by finding a relationship in God through His grace that we avoid because it sounds too easy. We're good about making church harder than it needs to be because it makes us feel like we're doing maybe a better job. Maybe we feel like if church is harder than it needs to be, then, then we're putting in all the effort that we need to be. We can rest every Sunday we come here in the fact that if we don't sing perfectly, it's okay. That if the sermon isn't exactly what we'd hoped, or if, even if you didn't stay awake, we still have other opportunities this week. We put a burden on ourselves at times. It's harder than, um, than what the expectation actually is. Satan delights when we, rely, when we rely on ourselves for success. Satan also delights when we think our accomplishments are where we find our success. Satan delights this morning that we're harder on ourselves than we need to be. And that we're not rejoicing to the Lord for His grace and His mercy in our lives. That even in the moments where we mess up, we should be, it should be more, more obvious to us that God has a plan for us. You see, the God of the Old Testament, when people would mess up, it wasn't as easy. It would be a little more obvious. And in certain ways, God would just do away with them in that moment. It's the same God, but not the same circumstances. It's the same God with a different set of expectations. It's the same God with the completed grace through Jesus Christ that allows us as sinful men to sit here this morning and think that we can do anything to deserve what He has given us. But Satan is trying to distract you from that. He's trying to make you feel not worthy. He's trying to make you feel dependent on something other than God. And he's trying to stress you out. This should be a safe place. A place where we can smile at each other through our struggles and know we're all here for the same reason. It's a place when we leave here that we should have a different perspective to wherever we go. Our faith will be difficult, but not as hard as we make it. Our enemies, those who want to persecute us, those burdens that we have in our lives, those are all things that can set the temperature if we allow it. But if we stay grounded in God, we can be a thermostat in those scenarios. We can be a thermostat in a way in which we can set a climate in our jobs, in our schools, in our homes that glorify God instead of frantically responding to the things that are going on around us. In Proverbs, verse, in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in, walk in wisdom are kept safe. Self-reliance will keep us from the lasting peace of Christ. We're foolish to think that we can do it on our own. It's important this morning as we think back to that bridge and we're trying to figure out what, what that last piece is to connect unity in the church, unity in our lives, um, lasting peace between us and God, a holy, set-apart, sanctified existence, whatever that is that we're seeking, that it's God. We said it last week, we all need Jesus, and it's exactly the same answer this week again. God, the good news of the gospel, 
is that all the hard work's been done for us. And it's actually easier than we make it. We have to quit relying on ourselves and begin to rely on God. God wants us to have days of peace. And so, ways to find rest. We must become aware of what captivates our focus. What's, what's taking your attention away from God? What captivates your heart? To where, if, if, if you had an, a face-to-face with Christ, like the rich young, like the rich younger ruler, or like the woman at the well, or like fill in the blank in the New Testament. What would God say that you were lacking? What would God say that you were missing? What would God see through you that you're trying to hide in in the back of your mind? What captivates your focus? You ever tried to have a conversation with someone and they're looking at you but they're not listening, and you could tell they're not really focused on what I'm trying to say. They're somewhere else. Right? If that's the case, every time Jesus is in one of these face-to-face interactions, he's having a conversation, and he knows. Now, he knows, knows. He doesn't just have a clue. Man, they seem distracted. It's like he, 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 he can read that heart. He knows exactly the circumstances. And he speaks to that in miraculous ways. We have to become self-aware of what's captivated our focus. We have to turn that focus back to the Word back to healthy relationships, back to fellowship, back to coming to church, and back to setting a standard that's okay because it's a beautiful sound, even though it's not perfect. We have to strive to enter a Sabbath rest. Stop what you're doing and reflect on what you've done. If it's good, praise God. If it's not, make a change. It's that simple. Your circumstances, your situations, and you think they never end, and it's constant, and then suddenly you look and your kids are grown and your life has changed and you don't know what happened, take a breath every once in a while and say, what have I done that's been good? Praise God in those moments and ask God for peace. And remember our salvation. This is a Sabbath day for us. A day to focus on our salvation, on the holiness of God. And we treat it like an event. I wonder if we took an actual day to rest, where we actually didn't work, where we actually praised God in all moments, where we were in the Word all day long, where we sang, where we actually spent 24 hours worshiping God instead of 24 minutes or 48 minutes or whatever the time is that we can give on a Sunday service of actual focus. Trust in the climate that God sets for your life. Your circumstances are different. Every one of you have different things going on. Trust in the climate that God's involved in those things in his own way. And because your circumstances may not look exactly like somebody else's, doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It just means you have different circumstances. God is still present, and God still wants to affect the climate in your life for success. But what happens sometimes is we, we rely on the success of others or the expectation that we'll have the success of others to define us. And we're cheapening what God is preparing to give us. God has a specific blessing for you this morning. And there's freedom found in that. That your life is different from the life of your sister or your brother or the person sitting behind you or in front of you or the people that were here before us. We have to trust in God's climate, His culture around us, that He's going to protect us and guide us. And can we realize we're free? We're free from sin. You're going to sin today, and you're still free from that behavior. If we could just find freedom in the peace of God's salvation. We, I think 
I fear at times of resting in that because it makes me feel lazy or it makes me feel like what I did wasn't bad. Of course what I did was bad. Of course the mistakes I'll make are bad. But God's grace is that amazing that it wipes it away. See, the struggle for us is we forget that God has already forgotten. We are constantly beating ourselves up over things that God has no clue that we've been, we've been involved in. When God forgives you, He forgives you. It's not when you sin again, He's like, oh, I'm suddenly reminded that you had that sin before. It's a new thing to Him. We can't clear our conscience of it, can we? It's why we come here. It's why we come here and we're enslaved to ourselves this morning. Because you're not really free. You're not freely worshiping God this morning because some part of you feels guilty about something you've done this week. So there's some of us in the audience this morning who are like, I'm here because I need to be here because I'm sinful and this will make me better. Do you know God can make you sin-free whether you're here this morning or not? If you stay connected to Him in your life? That there are people in the world that don't go to a church building to worship God and those people are probably more free in Christ than we've ever been by coming into a building? It's a lot more than the physical church. It's so much more of our mental standing, of our emotional connection, of a relationship with God that we just can't point to with everyone that we see and fully understand it. It's why people working with people in relationships is so tough. Because you want to assume you've been there before with somebody else, so the same thing will help the next person, and it's not the case. And that's why God's relationship with us is so beautiful. Hang with me for a second. He is so personal to each one of you that your circumstances are so unique to He and you that He doesn't have the same expectation He does with the person sitting beside you, the one that came before you. That it's uniquely yours. And His grace fulfills you exactly how you need it. His grace for you isn't similar to what the person beside you is. The circumstances are the same. The way in which you encounter it are the same. But the blessing is uniquely yours. That's how much God loves you. We struggle with loving our kids like that. We love our kids in, in, in separate ways because they're different. But it's tough. God's not the same. As we think of our circumstances this morning, I want you to think about this. We have to reflect on our circumstances before our circumstances reflect on us. When we talk about this Sabbath rest, it is important to stop and reflect on the circumstances around us so we can be a thermometer, a thermostat, instead of a thermometer, man, a thermostat this morning. Because if we're not, our circumstances will reflect us, on us. So whatever bad things we're going through, People are going to see those things through us because we're letting those define us. We have an opportunity to define those circumstances ourselves. In John 15, verse 4, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We're supposed to bear fruit. We're going to bear good fruit or bad fruit. And if we're relying upon ourselves, it's not going to be as sweet as if it's connected to God. We're just a branch connected to something that has a life-giving source that changes everything that we do. Everything that comes from us can be better because of connection to God. But when we rely upon ourselves, 
we're not going to produce the way that God wants us to. So it's unfinished. It's unfinished as a church, yes. It's unfinished in our society. It's unfinished in each one of us this morning. This morning, if you're out of control because of outside circumstances and stress, because sin is dictating your life, stop and reconnect to Jesus. Stop trying to control it. Confess that you've got a problem and begin to deal with it. If you're in control and you've got it all figured out, let go of that mindset. Let go of control and allow God to give you freedom that you can't even understand. See, we either try to go out of control and we don't want anybody to dictate it for us or we want to do it all ourselves and we still miss the point. The invitation this morning isn't just about sinful people who need God. It's about godly people who need to let go of their sinful nature because they need God. So whether you've had some public display of sin this week that you need to come forward and, and, and receive prayers for, or privately you're struggling with something, that's obvious that we need to, we need to discuss those. We need to have an opportunity to, um, to connect um, our shepherds, our leaders, our people to those circumstances to allow God's grace to do its job. But if you're sitting here this morning and saying, I don't actually need to hear this sermon, then you need to hear it more than the person who's prepared to go forward. Because if you think you're in control, be careful. In Ephesians chapter 3, as we close this morning, there's a prayer to the Ephesians. Paul um, writes here, and I, and I think it's very appropriate. Verse 14 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more then all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is my prayer. My prayer is that we find a freedom, we find a love, we find a knowledge that surpasses anything that we can ever understand through God. Not through the internet, not through a textbook, not through some preacher who thinks he could describe it to you this morning. Through the Word of God. Because that's where, it, that's where it is. If you have a need this morning, we have the opportunity to come. I want to I tell you this morning, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you showing up. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God's people are found in this place this morning. And we, we can recognize that He is the answer that we need in our lives.